0: hi my name is jen i'm a holistic nurse practitioner and i'm here to tell you that your body can heal i healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s i've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body your mind your heart your spirit and your life this podcast is for patients practitioners and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Inspire Health by Jen Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you this week. We are going to be talking about plant medicine from a holistic nurse practitioner's perspective and point of view. So, with plant medicine, we often think, are those drugs? Is it really plants and medicine? Like, am I going to get arrested? What is plant medicine? Why are some people using it? And why are some people like, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole? Today, I'm going to speak to you from the place where spirit and science meet, as we always do on this show together. Let me disclose. I'm in no way a shaman or an expert on plant medicine. This is not medical advice, but I got to say it. You guys know I have to say it. Okay. I'm simply sharing my study, my research, what I've done on PubMed on the internet, what I've browsed and what I found to give you maybe a perspective that you haven't heard before on plant medicine, or maybe you have, and to try to take some biases out of it and bring just the information to the table and some things for you to consider. So there's all different forms of plant medicine. I am not an expert of them all. There will be several I don't talk about or mention that you can find more about. Ones I won't talk about, peyote, cambo, combo, many other forms that I've heard of. I know other people who've used them, but I personally haven't done my research on them. So I don't feel like I'm in a good place to give Give too much of um, information and an opinion, but today we will talk about Hape. We will talk. I'm just going to mention cannabis or marijuana because it falls in the plant medicine category, and it's a really popular and good dichotomy to use because with marijuana we see cancer patients who are being you know treated and not having to live in pain because of it and its properties and then we also see marijuana being a really heavy crutch for people taking them away from their potential in life so i let's just tune into that dichotomy early that Any form of plant medicine isn't perfect and it really depends on the person, the intention, the set, the setting on how it's going to benefit or not benefit the person. So we have Hape, cannabis, ketamine. We won't go too deep into ketamine. I will mention it because it has similar active properties. And I like to think of ketamine like it's you use it with a prescription and with a licensed therapist and it's kind of like the sterile... Non crunchy Amazonian woods version of plant medicine that you can have access to in the United States. And then we have um, psilocybin and ayahuasca, and we'll really spend a lot of our time talking about those two. Today, in part one, I'm going to take you through the research, I'm going to take you through the information, the education. Next week, in part two, I'm going to share my personal experiences. At places elsewhere when I went on retreats and left the country and had my own experiences with plant medicine. And I'm going to be an open book and I'm going to share this with you. So, but let's lay the groundwork and let's learn a little bit more about plant medicine first. So, again, there are so many forms and you have to be your own expert. You really have to do your own research. This is just me planting a little seed, putting a little drop in your ear. And I want you to understand that even if I'm giving you research and talking about things today that sound really supportive of plant medicine and your body tells you, no, it's not for you. That's the authority. That's what you need to listen to. No study can say it's something just for you. No opinion, no bias. And here comes my cat. She's so sweet. It's so funny. Animals really respond to plant medicine as well. Um, being at different retreat centers around these animals, animals that I would come into contact with that didn't really make a connection or, you know, didn't really have the, this like opening with them. And then with sitting with the medicine, those animals were like a whole new connection. And as I'm talking about it and in the energy, my cat wants to sit on my lap. So you might hear her purring and just saying hi. So plant medicine, what is it? Why is it used? It came from ancient spiritual traditions, like our Aztec and our Incan and our Mayan tribes were using it. And we all, well, most of us know about the seventies and we can think of like the tie dye shirts and the hippies and people tripping and people just like losing their minds. And then the government comes in, the FDA comes in and says, Hey, we're going to start to regulate a lot of these substances and rightfully so. So people were safe and not abusing them. And like I said, just when we drew that dichotomy with marijuana, we can see Plants used in any capacity, right? It's just like caffeine. Caffeine's technically from a plant, and we can use it in really beautiful ways, or we can abuse it and it can make us sick. So, our inner legalities have we stripped away an opportunity for healing when it comes to plant medicine? That will be for you to decide. And I'll just give this information, and then in part two, I'll share my experiences. So, these plants, ones that we'll talk about today, they're commonly illegal. In the United States, and other countries, because they came from the, the indigenous people there are, are really where the medicine originated. In other countries, do your own research. It oftentimes is legal at the retreat centers or the medicine centers. You have to be super careful though. And I'm not here to give recommendations and tell you where to go. You have to do your own research. Uh, but I want to share with you that it's really important where you go. So in the US, we've regulated. Plants, right? To try to help people. But in that in that step, have we taken away something or a knowledge base or an opportunity or just the thought of, you know what, there is something else out there if I were ever to want it or to feel called to it that I could explore for my healing. And the FDA is often approving these plants in clinical trials. So psilocybin, ayahuasca, a lot of these pretty strong and psychoactive. Uh, properties and 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 drugs or plant medicine, however you want to say it, have been approved by the FDA so we can study them. So it's a little bit of a mind twist to be like, wait, I thought they were illegal. And then if you go watch Michael Pollan's documentary or the one with him in it, I don't know necessarily who wrote it and directed it. So forgive me there um, on Netflix. And you're like, wait a minute, these studies were taking place at like Yale and Harvard. Like, why are they why are they able to do the medicine in the US but other people don't have access to it cuz the FDA has approved it so we could have this information so a common question i think we often ask ourselves or subconsciously think about is like is plant medicine like alcohol again alcohol is another great and also can be from a plant another great um, dichotomy to to look at and see is how is plant medicine helping us? How is it not helping us? So in my opinion, this is Jen's opinion and not medical advice. So in my experience with many years of drinking and not knowing how to feel, not knowing how to regulate my emotions. Um, I know I said I was going to save my, my sharing for the second episode and I'm going to, cause it's this episode would be so long. Uh, but I want to say something about, so I was talking about alcohol. I used it in a time quite heavily when I didn't know how to feel or regulate my emotions. And I just, it was, I was overwhelmed and I had healthy habits, but in one of my plant medicine ceremonies more recently, I had this experience with one of my dogs, Sage, my Weimaraner, where when I got her um, many years ago, I was really new to this healing thing. I didn't even know what healing was, but I had healthy habits. I went to the gym, I meal prepped. I was in this phase where I could take some of the feelings or the sadness or the anger or the frustration or the hurt, whatever I was dealing with in my human experience. And I could channel it into some productive things. And I had this experience with the medicine where the spirit of my dog came to me and I was just seeing, she's getting older now, you know, she's almost nine. And, um, I was seeing all the little things in her body that, you know, dogs, animals are unconditional love and they take from us what we can't, when we have a bond with them, what we can't process and synthesize ourselves. And so she, and her little spirit, I could just see all these little places in her body where she has, you know, bumps or just a weaker belly in this area or just things I've noticed being her mom. And I was like, I take this back from you, Sage. And when I got home from that ceremony, she was definitely a brighter, more bouncy. And when I was away, Jeff's like, she's just way more bouncy this week. And I'm like, well, cause I took back a lot of that energy. So I was using alcohol at the time. And in my experience, alcohol really disconnected me from God in my life. And other forms of plant medicine I have experienced connect me to my life my human existence connect me to God this does not have to be your way to connect with your creator and to connect with divine and to be a holy ceremony and please use your own judgment and do your own research for a long time though and you're like oh my gosh here's a holistic nurse practitioner talking about plant medicine um <laughs> and we have to protect our licenses too there you have to be if you're a medical provider you have to be really smart on if you feel called to you know, how you're going to use and work with the medicine. So my dogma from where I was at in my personal journey prevented me from any interest in plant medicine for a long time. And that was perfect for me because I was not ready. I think of myself, you know, when I was using alcohol, if I would have, I wouldn't have though, because I, the way I saw plant medicine then versus the way I see it now is black and white difference. I never would have at the time, but if I would have sat with and had a ceremony of plant medicine, I had not done any inner work and started to feel my feelings and experience myself and establish an observer's perspective, be in prayer prayer that I think it would have been honestly too intense. And you'll hear people who've had really, really great experiences with plant medicine and people who have not. And in my theory, that's what's going on. And so (laughs) I think, you know, you'll, you will always hear too of the psychotic breaks. And I think, um, another theory, I'm laughing at myself, not at this. I'm laughing at myself because before my plant medicine experiences, I have done so much research on what could cause a psychotic break. I think I was in my own psychotic break. And so I think the psychosis comes from not doing any inner work beforehand and jumping into something to save or to fix you. And, All the research I did about the the psychotic break, again, like I was in my own, just like really wrestling with this, this pull I had and then the science and the, the logic behind it. So the research that I came across in the articles, the theory I have formed is plant medicine is just stirring up what's already there. So you're going to move things. You're going to shift energy. You're going to shift emotions. You're going to be able to see parts of your life. I'll talk about it in part two of my experience, but I knew a period of my of my adulthood was traumatic when I was going through early on in my career. But when I sat with the medicine, the way it showed it to me was so much compassion for myself and so healing. And I'll talk about that and how it related to my thyroid and autoimmune disease and in the next episode in part two. So let's get into some of these medicines and know that they stir up bliss and joy and like life just makes sense. And they stir up pain and agony and adverse effects for people. I will talk about the contraindications, the medications you cannot be taking. And again, even from this episode, this is like just a seedling of your research and go on and study this for a long time before you Partake if that's something that is calling to you, and if it doesn't call to you, that is great. don't Don't feel pressured. Don't do something you ever don't feel in alignment with. Right, listen to your body. So, let's start with our friend Hoppe. So we talked about ketamine and um, cannabis or marijuana. I'm not going to get into those. I might mention them here and there because we can pretty much look up and have information readily available because they are used by the medical industry in the United States. So. RAPE or HAPE because in the United States, spelling it H-A-P-E is a lot nicer and more soothing than R-A-P-E. But this is the preparation of powdered medicinal herbs and it can be made with or without tobacco. So I am so sensitive. And the first time that I sat with HAPE from one of my teachers, I didn't have a tobacco blend at all. And it was still very intense for me. And now I can do little bits of the tobacco and it has a different experience each time and if you you know have a history with tobacco use that you don't want to engage with hape it's really great to know that this might not be something for you so it is legal in the US and it's made typically with mapacho which is a Brazilian tobacco and hape elicits a feeling of alertness elevation that surpasses most other natural plant-based effects it also is super grounding it brings you into your body um, I when I had sat with one form of medicine At a retreat center, I was so um, happy and elevated after all the hardship I went through that I told my teacher, I was like, I need something to help ground me. And they gave me HAPE so I could go to bed because the medicine made me so happy. Um, So the effects of HAPE are experienced because you typically receive the medicine through your nasal passageway. They put a little tepe in your nose and they teach you the breathing and you put your tongue over the back of your mouth and you know where you'd have the post nasal drip and they insert it through, through your nose and it's intense and you're like, cool, you just punched me in the face and you ride the wave and it only lasts about 10 minutes. Um, but the reason that I will use hape in some of my energy healing or yoga circles is it Sometimes a medicine is like a friend holding space there. Um, Have you ever, or like think of a yoga class, have you ever been in a yoga class and you were feeling like you could get into that posture and then the teacher comes by and shifts you and everything opens up. Or you're in a meditation or in an energy healing session and the practitioner just puts their hand on where you're feeling the stuckness or the sadness in your heart or your hips and then you really feel it come up. Think about plant medicine with that mechanism of action. It's, it can't save you. It can't fix you, but it can only help bring up what you might be needing help bringing up to the surface. Does that make sense? So with Hoppe, you take it through the nose and it's, (laughs) Sparta is really excited about Hoppe. You can hear her through the mic. Um, so you take it through the nose and you'll feel like a, A grounding effect for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. You can have tingling in your hands. You can feel a little nauseous. About 20% of people will purge, especially the first couple rounds of hoppy at times they use it. Let's be honest. The healing journey can be hard from cooking to consultations and trying to live a life in between. Oftentimes you just run out of energy. Are you looking for a therapy that can shoulder some of this healing work for you? Well, I have got just the thing. Infrared has been the second best thing next to food as my medicine to heal all eight autoimmune and chronic conditions from my body. These infrared devices I'm going to tell you about literally helped me melt my eczema that was from my collarbone to my forehead, Away while I was healing with symptomless nutrition. I woke up every morning with skin that was cracked, bleeding so stiff, I could not even smile. But thank goodness for infrared, as this was the only thing to truly help my skin be more supple, the eczema to heal, my fatigue to reduce, and my body to flush out the inflammation through heat shock proteins so I could be here sharing this good news with you today. Truth be told, I still use my infrared sauna every single day because it makes me feel So good. So how can infrared help you heal? I want you to think of your body like one giant solar panel. You know, the ones that sit on rooftops and turn sun into energy inside of the home. Our bodies are basically doing the same thing, whether that's from the sun or healing infrared devices by exposing our skin to sunlight, 7-dehydrocholesterol in the skin absorbs the UVB light and is converted to pre-vitamin D3. From there, it changes into vitamin D3, and then your body uses it for anti-inflammatory healing. And research suggests this may result in more soluble mediators, such as endorphins, serotonin being released, think happy, feel good, anti-inflammatory, and increased ATP production by the mitochondria just from the infrared use. Your body is going to feel so, so good and relieved Deeply with the infrared light. So where to start? Start with an infrared sauna if you're ready to go in, sweat, and deeply detox and heal fast. If you need to take it slow, a Juve red light by itself or combined with a biomat is a more gentle option that can be used anytime, anywhere, without breaking the sweat. Simply head over to inspirehealth bygen.com/slash infrared-therapy or click on the link infrared in the show notes. That's inspirehealth by gen.com slash infrared dash therapy. On the webpage, you will see an opportunity for up to a six hundred dollar discount for the infrared saunas and fifty to a hundred dollar discount for the biomats and the red light devices. So get that discount, head over to inspirehealth by slash infrared therapy. Because for the first time if you're using it, if we look at it from a spirit perspective, then the hape or the medicine can be moving energy and things in your chakras or your energy centers that have been stuck for a while. Or from a science perspective, tobacco can be a vasoconstrictor, and so your gut, your nervous system, your heart, you might be activated and feel tingling in your hands. You might feel like you gotta go to the bathroom. You gotta throw up. The dose does make a difference, and your medicine woman or man understanding you and what you need is really important. So you can also, uh, buy Hoppe and I recommend receiving it in a ceremonial setting and all medicines and plants, even our food, even, I mean, how many of us like, I know I'm guilty of this, sit down for dinner and just are, I'm like on my computer, on the phone, petting the dog, talking to Jeff, eating, working, like there's no reverence and there's no ceremony around our eating. And we don't feel nourished or satisfied or received the benefits from the plants we're eating. The medicine is the same. So really receiving it in a ceremony setting, and then you can also administer it to yourself. And I recommend first working with it with someone else, learning, paying reverence to the plant. Um, And not just using it as like, what's this going to do to me? And I wonder if we're going to have a wild Saturday. Let's do some, some hoppe. My favorite way to use it is in healing circles or when friends come over and it's just, (laughs) I'm like, is it part of getting older or part of evolving your soul, sitting together in the living room and just putting on some music and setting intentions and talking about our life and the way we want to heal and grow and connect with God. And it can be a really beautiful 10 to 15 minute Plant experience to to help. So I love hoppe um, in small doses because I'm very very sensitive. And honestly, I just use it when I feel called. And that's not necess- that's never every day. But maybe and some people use it every day and that's great. Um, but for me, I would say a couple times a month maybe. And you can do your own research. It has no psychoactive effects, so you will only. It's a really body based experience. Sometimes I'll see little fireworks in my third eye. Um, sometimes I'll feel my hands tingle or I'll see colors, but it is not psychoactive in the way that other medicine forms are, which let's get to those. So I like to think of medicine, plant medicine as baby steps too. And I'm 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 tiering these and offering this education in a little bit of a tiered way, as if you feel like you're interested and want to do your own research, maybe you start researching hape first. And then you move into other things as you do the inner work and feel prepared and and feel like you want to learn more. So again, HAPA is legal and you can do your own research and your own um, experience with that. So ketamine is something that's used in the US as like an assisted therapy and it's it's identified as safe, well-tolerated, rapid acting antidepressants um, with treatment. So they use it for adults who are resistant with treatment, other forms of medications. And they've also seen that ketamine can mitigate measures of suicide and suicidal ideation. Ketamine, essentially, if you break down what ketamine is, it's similar to when you're getting surgery and they're putting you to sleep and the way it you know activates the brain. And so I'm not familiar with ketamine personally, but I've Know a little bit about it. That to me, on in my opinion, it seems like the sterile version of psilocybin. So psilocybin, or medicinal mushrooms, or whatever kind of mushrooms you want to call them, they are not decriminalized yet. Um, But just recently, in June, Denver, Colorado had a huge conference. I know everyone was like, "Of course, it was in Denver." Hey, go Denver! Um, Denver had a huge conference with sixty thousand medical professionals. They're learning about psilocybin or mushrooms and their effects and benefits for mental health. So the psilocybin, it's a naturally occurring psychoactive alkaloid and non-selective agonist at many serotonin receptors, and it's found in the psilocybin genius of mushrooms. So preliminary studies with psilocybin have shown therapeutic promise across diverse populations, including major depressive disorder. And that is good news for people who feel like they haven't found treatment response with their current medications. But please know that with anything psychoactive, there are many drug Contraindications and you need to talk with your provider and you need to do your own research. You can't just go to a retreat center and sit with psilocybin and expect to have a good experience if you have drugs that, you know, SSRIs that are going to put you at risk for serotonin syndrome or just blunt the effects altogether. So, another study is findings demonstrate that the substantial anti depressant effects of psilocybin assisted therapy may be durable at least 12 months following acute intervention. So in this study, uh, before 12 months, so month zero, they treated, I think there were 27 patients. Yeah. Ages 21 to 75 with moderate to severe unipolar depression. Don't worry. We're going to link all of these studies in the show notes. So if you're like, where's she getting this information? If it sounds like it's science, check out the show notes. That's where I got it. They're all PubMed articles. So they had 27 patients enrolled in the study. They did a one-time acute dose therapy. So that's probably anywhere from 1.5 to 5 grams of psilocybin of this monitored assisted therapy. And after 12 months, they checked in with them. So treatment response and remission were 75 and 58% respectively at 12 months for the depression. There were no serious adverse Events judged to be related to the psilocybin in the long term follow up period, and no participants reported psilocybin use outside the context of the study. So they just had the one time acute dose and participant ratings of personal meaning, spiritual experiences, and mystical experiences after sessions predicted increased well being at 12 months. I'll talk about my experiences in part two of this next week. So, am I saying, after I'm like reading all of these incredible things? That the science is finding. Am I saying to throw your SSRIs, your antidepressants, your medication in the trash and use plant medicine? No way am I not saying that. Am I hoping to relay new literature to you to assist in your exploration of your healing journey? Yes. Yes, I am. And you have to do your own research. Plant medicine is a wide, vast world. And just as we talked about with the different forms, anything from, you know, marijuana, medical marijuana, cannabis to caffeine to psilocybin. To ayahuasca, it's the set, the setting, your intention. You can take something really, really beautiful and you can misuse it. We can make ourselves super sick with just caffeine alone. So, taking that respect into your research and understanding these medicines. So, Michael Pollan, I mentioned it once, but I have it in my notes to say it, is to, um, his documentary on Netflix, How to Change Your Mind. I've only seen, I think, two of the, he talks about four different. I believe plant medicines and I've only seen two of them. Um, But what blew my mind was, I didn't know when I watched it at the time a while back that with Michael Pollan's, with him, he's he's in the documentary. Again, I don't know if it's his, it may not be, but um, that they're doing clinical trials on these things. Like the information's out there, and people are studying this, and so we, as we the people, have a right to know what's going on. And there's another documentary I have not watched it, but it comes highly recommended from a lot of my teachers called Sacred Science. So we have research and the data. We know that these plant medicines are helping our mental health, but there are some things to consider. Um, so, like with ayahuasca, which we'll talk about here in a minute, there is the MAO in it inhibits the absorption and the breakdown of certain molecules in the body. So you have to know what you're working with and you can't just go into these things blind and you can have, you know, purging, vomiting, diarrhea. You have to do your research before you get involved with any one medicine. And so when to not use maybe psilocybin or ayahuasca, the two most psychoactive, strongest, most therapeutic, most effective, but also can have the most contraindications with the literature as well not to use them outside of tradition in a holy or ceremony setting, not to just get with your friends. And um, I remember one of the the other people at the retreat, they were like, yeah, I, the first time I experimented with mushrooms or psilocybin was in college. We put it on a pizza and played video games. And the shaman was like, and what was your experience like? they were like terrible because the set and the setting and the tension behind it was not there. They just, just felt gross and didn't feel good and didn't understand their experience. If you have a history of schizophrenia and your family or with you, then there's some extra considerations, especially if it's, if your personal diagnosis to be considered, if you're on SSRIs, if you're on blood pressure medication, any medication, you need to run it by the research and, and your shaman, or if you just have a shitty shaman, like there are plenty of places across the world where it is legal in these countries and they see Westerners And they see people from the United States wanting to have these experiences, wanting to heal, wanting to grow. And they're just like, I'll get my hands on that and I'll pretend to be so-and-so. And and they they don't know what they're doing. The shaman anchors whoever's facilitating the experience, whether it's the the person in the clinical trial, maybe you sign up for a clinical trial. Um, You really need to know who this person is, their background, their experience, because the shaman anchors the whole energy of the entire experience. And if you're eating a diet with lots of caffeine and red meat and dairy and eggs and sugar and alcohol, you're going to get so sick. So sick. So I don't recommend it. And again, a good preparer and a good space holder and a good shaman will have you do something called the dieta, which we'll talk about in part two to prepare you for what could be a ceremony. So heavy foods weigh you down, stimulants, alcohol, those have got to go. But let's dig into the research a little bit on ayahuasca. It's the Quechua name for a tea obtained from a vine and in a bark that's used in this brew. And it's used for it was used for ritual purposes by the indigenous populations of the Amazon. I am sure they're still down there doing their thing using it, um, but I haven't checked in with them. So that's all how I know about the origins. An acute administration of ayahuasca induces a transient modified state of consciousness, characterized by typically you'll see introspection, visions, enhanced emotions, a little bit of slobbering, re- uh, recollection of personal memories. A growing body of evidence is suggesting that ayahuasca may be useful to treat substance use disorders, anxiety, depression. Um, But again, it's a serious, serious compound you're working with and you have to do your research. So ayahuasca intake increases certain mindfulness facets related to acceptance, to the ability to take a detached view of one's own thoughts and emotions. So I I was talking about that third person perspective of your life. And based on the evidence we have, we, they have been concluding that ayahuasca shows promising therapeutic tool by enhancing self-acceptance and allowing Safe exposure to emotional events. One thing I'll say about self-acceptance, and I'm leaking little bits of my experience, but I know when I retell the story, I mean you with medicine time, four hours feels like 10 days. It's crazy how much healing and growth you can go through. And talks about self-acceptance in the study, linked in the show notes. And um I felt like I was coming back into my body with after one of my experiences with ayahuasca at this retreat center. And the first thing I looked at were my arms and legs and it was warm weather there and I was wearing shorts and a tank top. And I looked at my arms and legs and I was like, these things are so cool. Like, wow, I love my arms and legs. And sometimes I catch myself being like, man, I got big arms and legs. Like it's sure fun in the CrossFit gym, but it just that self-acceptance, the way it opens you up to a detached view of one's own thoughts and emotions. I can with my anecdotal evidence of personal experience, say, and that's in what the study's reflecting was my experience. And so the, the study is also postulating that ayahuasca could be used in the treatment of impulse related personality and substance use disorders, and in the handling of trauma and the healing of trauma. But more research is definitely needed to assess full potential of ayahuasca in the treatment of these disorders. We're just getting started and in, in, with the science. And so The vine, so ayahuasca, the vine of the souls and Quechua, it's a psychedelic brew with a few formulations that most often include the bark from this tree, the leaves from another tree. I'm, again, not an expert, not a shaman, and the blends are really up to them, and that's their proprietary and indigenous property essentially it came from their tribes. This is their lineage of information. So I'm not on the privy of exactly what's in them. Um, but it's mixed with water and boiled for hours or days and it produces a brownish colored liquid with a strong and characteristic taste, if you will. And um but it it honestly it's just if you eat here's how I can put it if you eat clean and you eat the dieta and your taste buds you know aren't craven The McDonald's, or maybe they are, but you haven't had it in a while, you haven't had the processed foods, it's really not terrible. And ayahuasca contains psychedelic DMT, dimethyltryptamine, and then it also contains MAO inhibitors. And that's what makes ayahuasca strong, is because the MOA inhibitors prevent the breakdown and absorption of the DMT. So you stay in this experience for quite a while. And so, recent years, the antidepressant properties have been put to the test, and evidence from open and randomized placebo control trials have been showing encouraging results, indicating significant rapid antidepressant effects starting as early as one day after the ayahuasca intervention. I can add some anecdotal evidence to that, and that when I was talking about my shaman giving me hape, because I was like, I'm so happy I can't go to bed. <laughs> it was, we were all sitting around the fire and dinner, sharing our experiences, and just like having my own and hearing everyone else's just had me in this like, I mean, you would have thought I just won the lottery. I energetically felt like I did, and it just was so hard to 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 come back from that, but little hape, a little meditation, some deep breathing it's a it's a good tool. And then just a little bit more you know, ayahuasca, they, they use it, a vine and a bark, and then they make this brew, which then has the DMT, which produces the psychoactive compounds. And then we have the antidepressant effects as shown in these studies listed in the show notes. And when compared with placebo at all time points, this, the depression scores were significantly lower in the ayahuasca group compared with placebo in several studies. I mean, When I was reading this, I was like, why is this the first time I'm hearing this with my own PubMed and literature search? The first time I've listened to other podcasts and I've heard people's experiences and I've heard the science, but I haven't heard the science and the spirituality blended. And I haven't heard someone talk about the literature and not be afraid to share their own anecdotal evidence. So that is my goal with these episodes, because I think it deserves a place. And I also cannot say it enough that if you don't feel called and you're just curious to learn from this episode, listen to your truth. Like not everyone is called and that is perfect. It's not everyone's journey. And so you have the vine and the bark, they make the sprue, and then the DMT is there. It creates this other state of consciousness and the MOA is preventing the breakdown Sorry, the MAO. I always say that backwards. The MAO is preventing the breakdown of the DMT, which is extending the psychoactive experience. And other research studies listed in the show notes are showing that the DMT induces neurogenesis. So what does that mean? And this is what I experienced of like, it breaks down neural pathways and forms new ones. It's like breaking bad habits essentially, or bad thoughts, or like just a funk you're in. And the setting and the, the set, the setter, The place you're in, the intention, the people around matter the most. And before we close, just as part one, because I know many are probably, and I'm excited, eager, a little bit nervous to share my experience is with, this is what put it into motion for me. So we had a two day ceremony and the first day was two cups. And so you get to the retreat center the night before and you're still on the dieta. And so you're meeting everyone and you do a sacred fire and you're eating just, I'll talk about the dieta in part two. And uh, my, one of my teachers uh, was a medical doctor from the United States and they were explaining to me, I was asking all sorts of questions. I could feel my practitioner brain busy, like what's the half-life and the pharmacokinetics of this and what can we anticipate and just like learning about a new drug or a new vitamin or a new hormone, what have you, a new peptide. I was really taking this from a a science perspective. And so the first day, the first cup, because I am so sensitive, the shamans knew she doesn't eat a lot and I didn't. And um, I had a beautiful first cup experience and then they ring a bell and you come up for a second cup. And the teacher looked at me at the medical doctor from the US and he was like, how are you doing? I was like, I'm doing good. And I'm like, I'm happy. (laughs) Never tell a shaman you feel happy after first cup. Glug, 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 glug. They're gonna give you more and you're gonna have an experience. But what this person said to me, what my teacher said to me, that set my whole experience that I'm about to tell you into motion, they looked at me and they said, Jen, this isn't science. Holding the cup of ayahuasca close to me and close to my heart. This isn't science. This is love from the creator. And I received that cup of ayahuasca and I held it close to me and I was like, okay, brain, I'm going to need you to step aside and I'm ready to feel, to feel connected with my life, to feel connected with God and to let go of the thinking mind and how I need to experience this and what's going to happen and completely let go. And once I let go, literally the heavens opened up for me and I can't wait to share it with you. you so much for joining me this week on this episode of the Inspire Health by Jen podcast. Hey, I know we got a week to wait before you hear about my experience because I want you to have time to sit with this research and to do your own study because I get really excited when I share about something that's been helpful for me and it might not be helpful for you too. And this is not medical advice. My experience is simply my story being shared. You need to do your own research in the meantime and just sit with what's true for you. And if you're loving the show and it's serving you and you've gone back through some episodes, you're like, wow, this information is what I've needed along my healing journey. Can you please do two things? Can you subscribe, leave a five-star review, tell your friends about the show, and we'll see you back here next week.